1: Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church.
2: You and I cannot know exhaustively how all this plays out, but we can know sufficiently that God is good, His ways are perfect, and the heavens declare His glories, and day-to-day pours forth speech, and there is no one that has ever lived that does not know that He is. And all they need, maybe, is somebody like you, or me, or Steve, to cause them, to encourage them Challenge them to seek him. I can
0: see the promised land, though there's pain within the plan. There is victory in the end. Your love is my battle cry, the answer for all my life. Every dragon will fall. The mountains remove every chain of the past. You've broken into all the fear of the lies. We're singing the truth that nothing is impossible with you. Oh, is impossible.
1: Hello and welcome to today's edition of the Grace to Live Radio Broadcast with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so delighted that you've chosen to spend time with us today in the program. And as always, we would encourage you to follow along in your Bibles if you can. On today's program, Pastor Keith continues with the Future Grace series, an in-depth study of the book of Revelation. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with us today to Revelation chapter 11. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study.
2: It's who was, who is, who is here, who is come. Now, it's hard to keep track of all these bowls and trumpets and things like that and seals. Let me just put this graphic back up for you real quick. There we go. I don't know if you what you can see there. But the seven seals go, if you want to say horizontally, over Revelation, over the tribulation period. And with every seven, something is introduced. So you have the seven trumpets... I'm sorry, the seven seals, the seven trumpets. At the end of the seven trumpets are the seven bowls, and that's it. What you have is a series of sevens. There's an interlude or a pause usually between each one, and God gives them a chance to rest. Revelation 10, 11, and 12 is an interlude for the reader, so the reader can step back and catch their breath. But what you see here is God turning up the heat and the velocity for the sake of the human race because he really, really does does desire for all to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Again, verse 15, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. You might say it's all over but the shooting at this point. God it is God is triumphing and now we're just going to have some mop-up operations at the end of this salvific campaign of judgment and grace verse 19 then God's temple in heaven was opened and the ark of his covenant was seen within his temple There were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, an earthquake, and heavy hail. Every time a significant event takes place and something is coming to closure and a new intensified era of judgment is coming, you have the flashes of lightning, the rumblings, the peals of thunder, usually an earthquake, and here you have heavy hail, which means wrath. What you're going to see now is wrath. He has saved a number of Jews. Some people say the 144,000 Jewish evangelists are in that number. I can't make that case from the text. But what you see is that while men may fail us, God does not fail. He cannot fail. And all the way through the tribulation period, he judges and yes, but he also saves and what you see here is the links that he has gone to to warn and to draw people to himself. You see, often, because we're human beings and we have finite minds, we're quick to judge God. We say, well, that's not the way I would do it. That's right, thank God. Because God is perfect. His will is perfect. His ways are perfect. His redemptive plan Considers every contingency every thing that can go wrong and because he has declared the end from the beginning he knows exactly what he's doing why he's doing it and his ways are above our ways his thoughts are above our thoughts and his ways are perfect and so we don't want to be quick to judge God we don't want to be quick to doubt God many worry and rightly so about the little boy on the mountain side of the Himalayas or the little girl in the rainforest along the Amazon or somebody somewhere or a little three-year-old daughter that you're, who keeps saying that she doesn't want God. But we know this, that God's got all that figured out. We can't understand everything he's gonna do, even everything in this text, exhaustively. But we can understand it sufficiently. That God is sovereign, that his ways are perfect, and he's considered everything that we haven't even begun to consider. And when you look at today's flyover, we can't know exhaustively everything that goes on and how it plays out, and what it means that the temple is open and the ark is on display. We don't know what that means. But we can understand and today, I want to distill, as we wrap up, three realities from this text, from this flyover of the last three and a half years of the, this hyper-intense tribulation period, to understand that with God, in his redemptive plan, to f- sufficiently grasp that he has every crisis under control, There are no clumsy operations in his unfolding drama of redemption. No one gets left behind who doesn't want to stay behind. And yes, he does desire all to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth and has provided ample opportunity again and again and again. And there are aspects of his redemptive plan that we cannot understand. But what we can understand are these three realities. And reality number one is this. No one's eternity is left to chance. No one's eternity is left to chance. There are no accidents in God's economy. You get a hint of this in verse 3, chapter 11. And I will grant authority, power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy, they will preach for 1,260 days, clothed in sackcloth. Sackcloth indicates mourning. See here that God has a plan that's not ill conceived, it's not hasty. His deadlines are perfect, His plan is good. Every contingency has been anticipated, every opportunity for repentance given. Redemption and forgiveness and judgment are preached for 1,260 days. That's three and a half years. Three and a half years to the entire world in an unmistakable way. Opportunity after opportunity is provided day in and day out, week in and week out for three and a half years to Jews preaching Jesus Christ in Jerusalem. How often does that happen? These two witnesses are given divine authority and protection that every time somebody tries to kill, assassinate, harm, or attack them, they are consumed by fire. Time and time again, They perform miracle after miracle. They shut up the rain for three and a half years. Water is turned to blood. Miracle after miracle after miracle is done. They send every kind of plague as often as they desire so that it's not just them like the weatherman getting it right once in a while. Nothing is left to chance. They preach their message and their message is authenticated by the overwhelmingly obvious supernatural power that they wield. And so looking at that, we can understand sufficiently that God leaves nothing to chance, even the salvation or condemnation of a boy on the side of a mountain in the Himalayas. Secondly, reality number two, realize this. (laughs) We should realize this. People are not ignorant. They're just defiant. Everybody is without excuse, as it talks about in Romans 1, 18 to 20. Look at verses 8, 9, and 10. So these people prophesy, these two men. They do these incredible miracles. They, they say, don't run from God, run to God. Oh, that you would turn to me and live. God takes no dis- pleasure in the destruction of the wicked. Come by water without cost. Now, these are Old Testament prophet types preaching Christ. And when they're killed, what does the world do? Oh, what a tragedy. No. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city. And for three and a half days, the people of every tribe, language, and nation will gaze at their dead and rotting bodies and rejoice and give gifts and exchange Presence and make merry because these bothersome people are dead. After all they have seen and heard and felt, there's no doubt that these people understand that the Christian God, which is the only God there is, is working through these two men. And as the world watches on social media, television, Facebook, Vimeo, YouTube, cable news network FaceTime Skype who knows they see these people murdered and they rejoice and they leave their bodies to rot and to be bothered and disturbed by animals and the sun and everything else God gave them warning God made himself known to them in unmistakable ways you know, we've read throughout the Bible over time, Psalm 19, the heavens are declaring the glories of God and day-to-day pours forth speech and there's no place where their word is not heard. Romans 1:18 to 20 tells us that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness because God has made himself evident to them. His invisible attributes have been revealed through what he has made so that all people are without excuse. And then you have this in Revelation 11. How much warning does the world need? I mean, really. And then think of what we've studied in Revelation 6, right? When they say, let the rocks fall on us. The generals, the kings, the princes, the rich, the poor, the free and the slaves saying, let the rocks fall on us because we don't want to face this God or his Messiah, the wrath of the Lamb. There's no ignorance here. When my little girl said, I don't want to follow Jesus because I want to have fun, she was just acting out of her fallen nature. And by God's grace, a grace that I know sufficiently but not exhaustively, she repented eventually around the age of 10 and embraced Christ. What about you? Do you know Christ in a saving way? Do you know about God or do you know God? Reality number three. I hope that you can sufficiently see and understand that. Number three God does not abandon people, people abandon him. Verse 11. But after three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them, and they stood upon their feet, and great fear fell upon those who saw them. Then they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, come up here. It kind of harkens back for me to the baptism of Christ. This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased, listen to him. This is kind of a reverse of that. And they went up into heaven in a cloud, and their enemies watched them. And at that hour, there was a great earthquake and a tenth of the city fell. 7,000 people were killed in that earthquake. That's a hard pill. That's a bitter pill. And the rest were terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. He really does desire that all people are saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. And time and time again, throughout history, he has revealed his power. Time and time again. When Adam and Eve fell, he came looking for them. When Cain killed Abel, he came looking for him. When Israel veered off course, he sent the prophets. And finally, he sent his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. And here, here, he takes such an unmistakable action that I will bet you, I don't know, like I said, today Jerusalem has about 970,000 people. I don't know how many it has then, but you can bet if 7,000 died, almost a million people are coming to Christ, plus whoever's watching on television. Even after they're mocking, gift-giving, and celebrating and desecrating these bodies, God does not abandon anyone then and there. He's not abandoned anybody here and now or anybody anywhere else in the world. God never abandons his people. He keeps after them even when they are defiant. And so I believe that while I can't understand everything exhaustively, I know sufficiently that with that little boy on the side of a mountain in the Himalayas perishes without Christ, that you know what? He's had ample opportunity. Because God leaves no one's salvation to chance. People are sinners, they're defiant sinners, not ignorant victims. There are no innocents in hell. And I know, and you can see here that God never abandons his people no matter how bad they act, no matter what they do. He keeps coming after them. So when it comes to working out all the details of his redemptive plan, I can't begin to claim to understand everything, but I know sufficiently this, that God has all the things that worry us taken care of and things we've never considered, and I trust him to do the right thing each and every time. What about you? So what do you do with a message like this? Let me just walk through uh, maybe some questions about, some application questions for you if you are a religious person but you are not born again, if you have not surrendered your will, your soul, your rights, your autonomy, if you have not turned away from being your own little God and doing things your own little way and put your faith in Christ, what about you? Are you ignoring and abandoning his grace and looking for reasons not to believe? Well, if God loves everybody, what about this little boy in the Himalayas? Don't worry about him. What about you? Because you've heard enough today. God's word does not go return void. It goes out and it accomplishes its purposes. It goes out for salvation to bring people to him. And it goes out for condemnation to remove any excuse that people have to say, well, I just didn't know. There are no ignorant people, only defiant people. What about you? We're gonna have prayer partners come up today and you can have somebody pray for you about anything you want or maybe even point you to the saving God who wants you to embrace his forgiveness. Secondly, Christian, what about you? If you're a Christ follower, are you sometimes paralyzed because you're afraid that you're not gonna have all the right answers? That somebody's gonna ask you something about the second law of thermodynamics and how that relates to the Bible? Well, it's in the Bible, by the way, but that's for another day. Don't be paralyzed. All you need to explain to people is what you know. That you are a terrible person and God is a wonderful savior and Jesus Christ, the God of the universe, had come to earth to seek and save that which was lost. And you understood and you admitted that you were a sinner and you believed that only he could save you and you committed yourself to his care. Don't worry about what you don't know You cannot know the answer to every question exhaustively, but you understand the gospel sufficiently to explain it to everyone. And my last question is for the Christian, too. And we're going to talk more about this on uh, Vision Sunday, September 12th, about a culture of evangelism. How many times have you heard me harangue you from the pulpit, saying, What does the text say? What does the text mean? And how then shall we live? And to that I would add the fourth question. And who have you told? Because you know what? We have the word of life here. And you cannot and I cannot and we cannot afford to underestimate God and sell his grace short You don't know how God is going to use you. And I want to leave you with an encouraging and true story because I know the players in it, so to speak, some of them. This 20-something-year-old guy sitting in a bus station reads this book called The Late Great Planet Earth because he's an environmentalist fanatic in the 70s. And he ends up coming to Christ because it's a Christian book. He didn't know that. And then he takes the girlfriend that he's been living with for a year and he leads her to Christ. He doesn't know much, but he knows the gospel. And then they go to a place in the world and for 17 years, they live with a Stone Age tribe of people. And they go to this place, this place that even today, I think only 10 quote-unquote white people, that's non-Micronesian people, they speak a language that still and even even in the country where these people live almost nobody speaks that language maybe a dozen and it takes because of the complexities of this culture and their demon worship and their violence four and a half years to learn the culture and the language sufficiently to explain the gospel and they end up planning churches and hundreds of people end up getting saved These people are now in their 30s. Now, today, they're in their 60s. And one day, he's sitting there talking to the village witch doctor who had come to Christ about three months before. And he's just looking at the guy and marveling at the grace and the goodness of God. And the guy looks at him and goes, Steve, I don't know how to tell you this. You know, we're glad that you came. But we knew of this God of yours already long before you came. We, we were told that we were the sweat off the back of the stars and that we had become, that's how we came into creation. We knew this God. They call the God of the Bible, Yo. They always, when they speak of him, they go, Yo. They put their head down and their hand up. said, so we always knew of Yo. We knew that there was a creator. We knew that he created us. We understood that. But our problem was to acknowledge him meant to be accountable to him. Until you showed up and brought that message, we had kidded ourselves, and now we have eternal life and we worship you. Thank you. These people were far more isolated than the Himalayas, and they knew that there was a God. And we know from the Bible. That without faith, it's impossible to please God, and that He is a rewarder of those who seek Him. You and I cannot know exhaustively how all this plays out, but we can know sufficiently that God is good, His ways are perfect, and the heavens declare His glories, and day to day pours forth speech, and there is no one that has ever lived that does not know that He is. And all they need, maybe, is somebody like you, or me, or Steve to cause them, to encourage them, to challenge them, to seek Him.
1: Pastor Keith Crosby on today's edition of Grace to Live. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And if you'd like more information on Pastor Keith or Hillside Church, here's how you can connect with us. Our mailing address is 545 Hillsdale Avenue in San Jose, California, 95136. The church office telephone line is area code 408-269-4782. And you can connect with us on our website, which is gracetoliveradio.org.